so then the next part is uh, the subject of morality, which, uh, you know, I, I've always been the one uh, to say that the, the, the evidence for good or bad, even before I've, I got into presuppositionalism, never really swayed me that, that, that much as far as, um, as, as being a, a, a pro or, or, or I should say more of a con uh, against Christianity because it seems like, you know, uh, give me a place to stand and I shall move the world. But if you don't have any place to stand, uh, you know, what, what say you, why, why have the oughts and the, the shoulds in, in the world? And so, yeah. um, your chapter of morality kind of, kind of takes that as well and says, um, that, that, uh, when scientists, uh, try and, or, or, or probably, probably more so the, the, uh, the, the skeptics come in and trying to co-opt, um, a, a sense of morality somewhere, it seems like they're just uh, planting their flag into some random patch and saying, nope, th- th- this is, this is where we should settle. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's something, I am definitely doing that saying, look, there's not, you know, you, that's just an arbitrary, you're just planting your flag arbitrarily. I see over here, you know, or whatever. I mean, that, um, but I'm, I actually am trying to go further in one respect mm-hmm. in that. So a lot of Christians will say that there's, and I, you know, when they're talking to say, say someone, um, an atheist and they say, look there, they point out a atheist doesn't have a, an ob- objective moral standard. Um, and I think that's right, but I think they get Christians can get in trouble by if they m- use, if they use the, the, the concept of objectivity incorrectly. Uh, so here, here's what I mean. The universe, imagine you got rid of all the humans and all any, it was just matter. There wouldn't be, there's, there's no morality in that universe. You know, there's, there's nothing, you know, chairs and tables. There's just that, that concept morality isn't even a thing. Right. Um, so one of the things that, and you get this and, and sometimes natural law folks can move into this, not always, but sometimes where they think, no, there is, there is something that's objective in the universe that you, that, that tends to, you know, there's this moral law in the universe. And I would say, you know, that's just not what value is. So ethical value, a moral value, um, aesthetic value. And as I say in the book, you, you know, I say this, um, the, a value requires a valuer. So, um, what, in, in my whole goal here is to uh, take on Plato's Euthyphro objection because that's the standard one oh, against yeah. a divine command theory. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to say, all right, well, it's either you know you you have you got a choice if you're if you think that um, Christianity can you know God can ground morality. It's either he chooses it and it's grounded in him and just whatever he chooses is going to be moral or he chooses what's moral because it's moral. And there's a, there's some, some rule book outside himself that he looks to. Right. Yeah. Right. 
so he so when he commands us he's kind of looking so on that view you know he's he's looking at a a rule book that's outside of him and he mm-hmm. goes he tell all right humans here's what you got to do here's the right thing so there's you don't want that but then the alternative is well then there isn't anything outside of him and he just says hey guys i want you to behave like i just the way i like Right, mm-hmm. right. The old is good, good because God says it, or is is good, is does God say it because it's good? Because it's type of, exactly, and yeah. I think that 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 is a that's a trick because you don't want to say well, <laughs> well but I think there's an there's an obvious answer. Well, I shouldn't say obvious. That's ridiculous. But yeah. there's there's an answer that we ought to choose and just choose it unabashedly and that's the no it's grounded in what god values yeah so okay, whatever good. whatever yeah. he likes that's good yeah so uh so so a couple of things that at least struck me out of this chapter which were really interesting i said you know what i think he has a point here uh so let, let me start with the the easiest one first you start off the chapter talking about you know um, if god is dead uh, is everything permissible and you're trying to make a point there that uh, it, it seems like um, you feel like most folks have missed with regard to that claim, right? Uh, you know, the idea that if indeed there is, you know, if the atheist is right and God is dead, then we can do, then we will do anything and and, and it's permissible. In other words, you can't yeah, be and- good if you're an atheist, Kind of thing. And, and I and, and and people do get that. I, you know, I mean, I think I I think there are some people who get that. I and but I'm I'm always um, very few do. I mean, I, it's, it's, that's that's something that's contentious, yeah. and I think that's kind of the starting point. The morality chapter starts off with this section on if God is dead, everything is permissible. You know, the old uh, right. You know, if the atheist atheism is true then there is no you know the at least the believer would say then there is no morality so they will they will do evil or they'll you know they'll be bad guys and that kind of stuff and and you're right. you're resisting that conclusion yes in one sense i mean in one i think i think in one sense it's entirely true if that, you know any if not everything is permissible but that doesn't mean that if there's no god then you ought to well, then you might as well murder. You might as well rape. Or you, right. might, you know, you 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 would you should do this or that. And it's like, well, that doesn't follow. There's yeah. no ought at all. Right. So you know, so right. Feel like so if that, God doesn't exist, and I should kill people, when you're saying no, that doesn't necessarily <laughs> right. That's what well, you're trying I mean, to yeah, say. Yeah. It's right? like, and, and usually Christians will will try to argue that or right. say, look, since you know, to the atheist, look, if there's no God, then you might as well just go ahead and steal. Why don't you know? You're being inconsistent by not going around killing people. It's like right. they're not being inconsistent. They're, I mean, they're being inconsistent in other ways by claiming that there's absolute right. good and bad and all of that. But mm-hmm. ultimately, when it comes to what they, how they ought to behave, there is no ought. Right. I mean, yeah. there's nothing at all. Right. 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 So from their per- so if you look at it from their perspective as you know, no God. 
uh, there is no art. There is no what I should do. There's, you know, there's just actions and that's it. Right. There is no and there's no value or any or moral value even attached to any any action. And so it's not like this is what they should do if God doesn't exist. It's like there is no should if God doesn't exist. That that's the kind of point you're making. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's there's no should at all. Yeah. Yeah. One way or the other. Right. Now. But that that ends up. You know, you that doesn't let people off the hook. Right. That just means like, if you're going to, that's, that would be so counterintuitive to try to live that way. Right. Right. To try, right. To, to, try to even believe that way. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's very, we're hard, you know, we're hardwired, you know, so evolutionists will say that we're hardwired by evolution, you know, or, you know, theists would say that, the, you know, God's written a law in our hearts or whatever it is we've been designed, but we are definitely hardwired to think about it to think that value is objective or at least moral value is objective. Right. So, so you would, if you were try if you tried to live consistently in an intellectual sense with that, it would be a a very different world. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's, it's totally unworkable. The other, so before we get back to the euthoral dilemma, the other issue or the other question, I guess, that you raise here is um, objective morality. So we need to we need to at least get your your take on objectivity. But before we do that, you kind of say that um, uh, moral imperatives are conditional. And so that's you can have an objective morality, even though it's conditional. Right. You said my view that moral imperatives are conditional is on page 210. You know, and you said is is uh, essential agreement with Mackey. So it's not you know categorical, right? As it's usually put, it's it's a right. conditional type. So help us work through uh, what you're getting at there. Yeah, yeah. So and and I think you're, you're right. Going back to the what I what do I mean by objectivity? And so by objectivity, what I'm saying is here's the kind of objective moral value you can have. It can be human independent, so independent of the human subject. Right. So it can be outside of human, but it can't be entirely objective where there's no valuer or valuing subject at all. So ultimately, I think moral value and all value is subjective in that it requires a valuing subject. So I'm going back to the what the the words subject and object actually where they originated. And so I think that you can have morality that's human independent, but not person independent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And so Meaning that's that if you, if you include divine persons. Right. Yeah. Good. All right. And so, so, so that's the objectivity. And then, so I would say, um, so value is always an if then statement. So, if you want to do this, that, or the other, or if then you don't murder, then you don't steal, then you don't lie. But there's a conditional, there's a, the if part is really, it's so transparent to us sometimes that it's hard to get, you know, like, what is the, you know, (laughs) 
how could there ever be an if right to right. you ought not rape right how what, what what would be the if there's like i can't think of any reason that, you know, there's no it, you know it's always so yeah what's the condition really there yeah, yeah. So, so the so the condition there is well some people it depends on the person right it depends so <laughs> uh if i don't want to get in trouble you know, if I don't, right. or if I'm too scared, right. or if I don't like, you know, that just disgusts me. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a yeah. loath, there's a loathsome feeling that I have, you know, so part of it's kind of a feeling I, and, or if I'm, um, I want to do the right thing, you know, and that's That can be cashed out in different ways. I want to be, and I would say a Christian ultimately mm-hmm. is do who, who's my father? Right. Mm-hmm. Who's if, team am I on? Right. Whose family am I a part if of? If I want to be right. pleasing to God or something like that. Yeah. Right. Where is my loyalty? Who yeah. do I love? Yeah. I want to be like daddy. You know, I want to be like him. I want to do what he does. You know, just like, you know, I mean, and you think about that, like you're, you know, and it's totally, and it's perfectly natural. I mean, like I remember, you know, I, my love for certain football teams would be simply just because my dad liked a certain football team. Mm hmm. Now, the football team itself wasn't that big a deal. You know, it wasn't like that was a what was a big deal was my loyalty and my love. Oh, so, mm. so you're a Lions fan is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there from Michigan. Uh, <laughs> Great. Yeah, good. So, so it's, yeah. it's ultimately grounded in that. And, but that can be really uncomfortable because you're like, well, wait a second. That means it's just a matter of a relationship or personal loyalty and it's like you know what that's there it you can't go anywhere else that's that's rock bottom yeah it's so what you what you want right so so is the is the conditional statement then only for us you know if i want to be like god my father then i should is it also for god that way no, uh good question that's 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 an excellent um, point. I, for, for him, well, first of all, he doesn't have, he's probably not, I mean, I guess there's a sense in which he could be, he conforms to his own nature, so he could com- command himself in a sense. Right. But Especially in a Trinitarian just, relationship. Yeah, yeah and, and, and that's a that's a good one. And, once, and, and I'll, I'll say right now, the moment you enter Trinity into this, it's skinny branches for me. <laughs> <laughs> You're above my pay grade. Well, thank <laughs> you for being intellectually honest with us. <laughs> But um, I, I'm sure there's something there that's analogous. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that's analogous to us following. Um, but or or it could just be a loyalty or or, or something like that. But right. um, the you know ultimately the Godhead is he does what he likes. Right. You know, and that's ultimately it. Now he does what pleases. Yeah. Yeah, he does what pleases him. Yeah, good. And, and thankfully, praise the Lord that it's. I mean, that's probably atheists would hit the roof if I said. Right. Well, I mean, that would be like, well, that's a that's self-referentially sort of praise the yeah. Lord that the Lord likes what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we well, can't pray. You can't praise him for that. Well, I don't know. I can be thankful, I, and I'm going to be thankful. Yeah. And so this is why then you say that's just why you embrace, it seems anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the arbitrary objection to the euthoro dilemma, right? Yes. 
So kind of so explain that ar- for us. It's arbitrary in the sense that there's nothing above and beyond what God likes. Right. So that's usually what people mean by arbitrary. There's not like an out, like it's, well, it's just up to what he wants to do. It's up to, I mean, <laughs> he just, does, you know, what's good is what. Whatever so he good, wants. Yeah. So yeah. goodness is godness. You know, it's like that's, they're just equivocal. I mean, equ- I mean, equal. And that just seems like, well, what if God would have, you know, what if rape was something he valued? Right. right. You know what? There's two things going on here that we have to we have to separate. First, the nature of morality, hmm. and then there's the nature of God. Hmm. So, on the one hand, morality is such that if you wanted a, a human independent morality, and that was something, you know, let's say it was a divine being that made the choices. Yeah, you're. I mean, if it was Allah, it'd be a different set, oh, yeah. right. rule set. Yeah. Right. Now the question is, okay, well, that's what morality is. So that's just the nature of morality. Okay. But now what's also the nature of God? Well, the nature of God, you know, according to Christian tradition and most, you know, theistic is that he's, um, he's a necessary being, you know, his nature couldn't have been otherwise. So he's like, he is necessarily. Mm. You know, but again, that doesn't change the nature of morality. Morality is such that if God were of a different nature, let's say you could have that. And it's, you know, again, that's kind of like saying two plus two is five. But let's say that's then that's the way it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, good. So so the 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 basic idea then and we're we're running short on time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the basic idea with regard to the morality section is what what are you trying to to get at there is with regard to skepticism? Yeah. The so the progression of the book is basically going for, you know, it's it's taking steps in a in a direction. Um, So the first, you know, the first section is on the sense, perception and reason. Right. And, you know, let's in questioning that and showing reasons for thinking that if there if we weren't designed, that it would be our cognitive faculties, faculties would be unreliable. OK, so I, I so that's one section. And then I say, OK, forget all that. Assume that everything's reliable. All right. Let's look at science, because that's the next thing that. That you know that we tend to think that that's the ultimate cognitive endeavor. Right. Right. Let's look at that, and then I go through and I show. Well, you know what? It's it's not that clear. You know, I mean, particularly when you get on the skinny branches, and it's certainly not clear that science shows God God doesn't exist. Right. Okay. So that's the point of that is, I don't think science shows that God doesn't exist. In fact, I think the opposite. But forget that. Set that aside. Let's say you're not convinced. Let's say that science does say that God doesn't exist. I'll I'll just take that for the sake of argument. What does atheism imply? And what does it imply with respect to morality? And the reason I focus on science and morality is because those are usually the two big things, mm-hmm. the two big issues that we all tend to gravitate talk about yeah everything yeah and and so that's why i go through the so then it's at the end it's like okay well let's say atheism atheism is true what would that mean for morality Mm -hmm. and so each step is kind of like and and i don't you know i think we stop 
we can stop all the way back at we don't have reliable cognitive faculties. Right, right. right. A good design. case could be made there, right? Yeah. And then then we're then the atheist is in trouble even right there, right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> so I just say, okay, fine. And, and so for the sake of argument, I let those go. And then that last section, I just, all right, look, without value, it's just fine. If you don't want to have value, just this is what I think it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, the, the the book is How to Be an Atheist: Why Many Skeptics Aren't Atheists Enough, and uh, Dr. McStone skeptical is, enough. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, just before we go, um, I saw a video that you did on a suggested TED Talk about um, teaching calculus to to liberal arts students and how you view that as beneficial. I was wondering if you could just explain a little bit upon that because if, if you don't do it for TED Talk, can you can you at least do it for uh, maybe the 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 people in my life who uh, who need to know the beauty of calculus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so the the argument is basically. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a non-starter, and it sounds like something ridiculous. Like everyone should have calculus, you know, or liberal arts should. But it's but it's actually not. I've done this at you know the college I'm at, New St. Andrews College. I teach liberal arts students um, calculus in an eight week term. Wow. And and we're learning, you know, so they learn limits, derivatives, integrals, the fundamental theorem of calculus. All, all, so the, and they're learning those legitimately. Anyways, so it's doable. And now they're only use, we're I'm only using polynomials and power functions. So I'm using a simpler functions, but they're getting the core of calculus. And I'm doing it, what I do for this longer term, this is part of a year-long course where I'm basically teaching them the story of philosophy and science and mathematics all in one because all three of those grew up together mm-hmm. and calculus is central to that. I mean, mm-hmm. the, that's, it's, science, it's, it's what made the scientific revolution possible and then you trace all of that back and goes all the way back to Plato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you follow from Plato, the scientific revolution and Newton and calculus, and then what, do you, what happens after that? Well, the Enlightenment of the 1700s, and you have people like Hume and Kant, what are they, what their entire project is in response to Newton's physics. Right. And calculus and how that was used. And so how, how to make sense of that, how to um, model their own philosophy on that. And so you really can't, un- there's so much that you can't understand about the Western philosophy and just the intellectual history of the West without seeing how calculus was central to that. Now, of course, you're not just, you wouldn't just do calculus and that's it. You have to see how it's fit. It fits into the story, Mm -hmm. but it's actually fairly simple. I just did a, um, a course for high school, a a high school curriculum, um, where I was, I basically taught 12 weeks, on the scientific revolution and enlightenment. So basically my my section was the enlightenment, the enlightenment philosophers. But at the same time, you know, I'm covering enlightenment philosophers, but I'm also talking about the scientific revolution. I mean, like you can't do one without the other. Right, right. So anyways, that's the, in, in, and I think in order to really appreciate what Newton's, what Newton did, what the scientific revolution was about and what Plato was up to, is to do a little bit of calculus. And you think, dang, that should not work. (laughs) There is no way that we should be able to predict all these amazing complex phenomena by doing problems in a classroom. Yeah, that that was one of the 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 eye opening things when when I took my uh, my 
calculus class with in conjunction with my physics classes. I J and K. I J and K can be used for for what I observe in the in the in the world. Wait, you're telling me that high level math is actually worth something? Wow! <laughs> yeah. Like like it, it it really blew our mind. It was it was really awesome. It was like one of those epiphany moments. And and I think every no one can really appreciate the intellectual history of the West, including philosophy, without having that aha moment. And mm-hmm. then what's really interesting is that that's only the beginning. You then. You can't understand 20th century philosophy without understanding general, you know, what was going on with general relativity and quantum mechanics and logical positivism and all of that. But all of that was based on way more complex math. Yeah. You know, so it's it's so crucial. And we've split STEM and liberal arts into these. We think that they're two different things. And, um, yeah, we got to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. Well, I hope you get your TED talk. And um, <laughs> where, 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 uh, where else can people go uh, to to look at your stuff or to uh, any any links that you want to plug or anything that you got coming up? Yeah. The um, so I have a I have a website mitchstokes.com. That's that has some of the resources on there, but just um, Amazon for my books, and there are all kinds of you know if you just Google my name, there are links to you know different interviews and talks and whatnot yeah great well again thank you for your time uh we appreciate you coming to our our little show especially just being our second book and uh talking philosophy with us it's it's uh i'm I'm honored that you chose to go through it yeah the second time too so you know we really (laughs) thank you so much in in fact if if uh if if i can get you to sign it you you may have to be careful with the book because i've i've marked it up pretty good and it's uh, been through the ringer a couple times (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's great well thank you again and uh uh just uh uh we'll 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 keep reading your stuff absolutely all right well thank you blessings on your your work too thank you thanks